I think we're all old enough to remember, even if you thought the Gulf War was wrong, either one of them. You hated America, our troops, and the baby Jesus too, for good measure. There's always going to be somebody who's able to seize that branding. And at this point, the, the Trump administration and its supporters are winning that branding battle. I don't think so. I think Kaepernick is winning the battle. And I think that there are more people who respect what he has done and think that he has been wronged than there are people in the 35% of the Trumpers who think that somehow this is some great offense to America and the armed forces. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Lawyer to Lawyer, with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrosi, bringing you the latest legal news and observations with the leading experts in the legal profession. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams coming to you from Southern California. I write a legal blog called May It Please the Court and have a book out called The Sled. My co-host Bob Ambrosi is in court today. Before we introduce today's topic, we'd like to thank our sponsors Clio and Latera. Clio's cloud-based practice management software makes it easy to manage your law firm from intake to invoice. You can try it for free at clio.com. That's C-L-I-O.com. And Latera, the authority on document creation, collaboration, and control. Increase your productivity, collaborate securely, and ensure protection of your vital information. You can learn more at Latera.com. Last football season, the NFL San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick famously took a knee during the national anthem as a silent protest against police violence against African Americans. Many others, on the other hand, were outraged by Copernic's stance and saw it instead as a sign of disrespect for the country, the flag, the military, and the police. Where others applauded the movement, including fellow NFL players who supported Copernic's gesture of racial equality by also taking a knee in solidarity during the national anthem. Through his tweets, President Trump has been very vocal in his disapproval of the hashtag Take a Knee movement, calling for the firing of players who do the Take a Knee during the anthem. This reaction from the president has ended up creating even more controversy within the NFL, where some owners and coaches instead came to the defense of their players, declaring their allegiance to the players and expressing their disapproval of President Trump's comments. So today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we'll discuss the controversy over the hashtag Take a Knee movement, the fallout, the players, the rights, the First Amendment, President Trump, and the NFL's role in this controversy, as well as the potential impact the controversy could have on the NFL and other sports teams. To do that, we've got a great lineup for you today. Our first guest is Alan Milstein. He's an adjunct faculty member at the University of New Hampshire School of Law and Temple University, and he is a shareholder and chairman of the litigation department at Sherman Silverstein Cole Rose and Podolsky, PA, in Morristown, New Jersey. He's also litigated on behalf of such sports figures as Alan Iverson, Carmelo Anthony, Maurice Claret, and Eddie Curry. Welcome to the show, Alan Milstein. My pleasure. And our next guest is a returning guest, Mark Randazza. He is the managing partner of the Randazza Legal Group and is a nationally known First Amendment and intellectual property attorney. Mark handles litigation and transactional matters nationwide. And welcome back to the show, Mark. Glad to have you back. Thanks. Wicked great to be back. Well, 
let's start with Alan and uh, kind of take a look at the uh, hashtag take a knee movement. My understanding is that it started out as Copernic sitting on the bench, but a veteran instead suggested that out of respect, he take a knee, which is what ultimately what happened and apparently has inflamed a lot of people. That it did. Made him more famous as a advocate of African-American rights than he was as a quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> Mark? Yeah, uh, my take is, and, and I come to this as somebody who, who definitely does not have Trump derangement syndrome, but it really bothers me when the president says that somebody should be fired for exercising their First Amendment rights. Um, I think what Kaepernick did was, uh, was just fine. I mean, in fact, it, he did something that I think a lot of us could learn from, which is he listened to somebody who disagreed with him, meaning that uh, veteran, uh, Nate Boyer, uh, he listened to him, took what he had to say to heart, compromised his protest from sitting on the bench to taking a knee. And, uh, you know, I, I really don't care if you agree with the guy's protest or agree with his point of view on police violence or not. It's about the most American thing you can do is exercise that right to protest. So anybody calling him un-American, I mean, the hosts have told me I'm not allowed to use my normal colorful language, but, uh, you know, you can use your imagination as to, uh, you know, what direction you could show. Uh, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, do you see this as a, as an effective silent protest or do you think that the people that are upset at him have a right to be upset? No, I don't think they have any right to be upset. You know, the Amish and the Jehovah's witnesses, both sects believe that you shouldn't stand when the national anthem is played. No one seems to care about that. But when this African-American football player making millions of dollars does it in silent protest of a real issue tr troubling America, suddenly it is uh, you know, so offensive that people can't even stand it. So, you know, and, and to characterize his protest as being against the armed forces is really absurd. In fact, the West Point football team took a knee as well. So certainly they weren't disrespecting American soldiers. So as Mark says, protest has a long tradition in the United States. It's really what this country is all about. And no one should be upset if it happens on a football field. Mark, you took some umbrage at President Trump demanding that they be fired how close does that come to violating the First Amendment? I mean, I know it says Congress can make no law, but can we extend the First Amendment to the president soliciting the owners to fire these people as a breach of their First Amendment rights? Well, I mean, of course, the First Amendment extends to the president, but the president has First Amendment rights to say stupid things, too. So I, I don't have a uh, I, I don't think it's really a First Amendment problem unless he uses more than just his, uh, his bully pulpit. But, you know, it just seems that this is how we handle uh, political opinions that we don't agree with. And, you know, and it's not just a right-wing thing. I mean, yes, we've got screaming right-wing voices with American flag bandanas and, you know, and, and every other image you can think of screaming about this. But let's face it, and I count myself among the left, I think we on the left are far worse and, you know, you have a constantly, at least on the right, you have a fixed star as far as you know what you're going to say that's going to get somebody screaming about you. 
On the left, it's a constantly moving target where everybody's trying to make sure that they scramble to step on top of everybody else to be more virtuous. And I think that the only grown-up in this entire situation is Colin Kaepernick, the one guy who listened, adjusted his, adjusted his protest, and was respectful. Well, I think that there's been many people who have expressed their frustration at America's seemingly inability to tolerate any type of protest. People are upset that you know traffic gets blocked and that they're inconvenienced in any little way uh, as a consequence of any kind of a protest. Are we shifting past the point of a reasonable pendulum on this issue? Alan, what do you think? To me, this is a black-white issue. I mean, if Colin Kaepernick were a white player, if it was, uh, you know, Brett Favre, if it was, you know, one of the Manning brothers, I don't think you'd have the kind of reaction that you have because an African-American with an extremely large afro is the one big than me. So, you know, I, I don't think this is as much about protest as it is about really a white America being upset when an African-American voices what he has the right to voice. Is there any law that requires us to stand for the national anthem? And I mean, I know we have a flag act, but even the flag act doesn't have a remedy if it gets violated. It's just kind of guidelines. Is there any kind of legal requirement that we all stand and put our hand over our heart or salute when we sing the national anthem? No, of course not. Heck no. Of course not. Now, there is an NFL, essentially, memo between the commissioner and the teams that says players should stand for the national anthem. But that is not part of the collective bargaining agreement. It's not binding on the players. You know, but again, we're not talking about law here. We're talking about essentially the rights of a football player subject to a collective bargaining agreement to, in essence, take a knee when the ownership and perhaps some of the fan base think that's offensive. Now, there are some people, especially entertainment lawyers, who point to some of the morals clauses and other types of restrictive covenants in entertainment, highly paid sports people that are very different than the kind of employment contracts that are between, you know, the everyday uh, car manufacturer and a manufacturing assembly line employee. The people that make a lot more money have a lot more restrictions placed on their behavior. For example, if they get arrested, they can lose their sponsorship contracts and so forth. Is there any type of contractual provision in these NFL players, such as not disrespecting the team or some kind of vague reference that you think that these owners could point to and hang their hat on if they really wanted to sit on that contract? Uh, there is some general language about uh, whether it's in the best interest of the game, but I don't think anybody has invoked that. You know, what is very interesting and what is certainly timely with respect to this podcast is that Colin Kaepernick has filed a collusion lawsuit in the arbitration proceedings because since he has started this protest, no team seems to want to employ him as a quarterback, though he is certainly, you know, I think by anybody's estimation, as good, if not better, than a number of quarterbacks in the league. But he can't find a job, and he has claimed that the league is colluding to keep him out of professional football. Does the league have any uh, First Amendment obligation here, Mark? No, and I, and I think, it's you know, I think en- it's a private entity. Yeah, and it's so, look, if they want to say, uh, you know, if a guy comes out and says it's okay to, 
you know, it's just fine to, uh, to beat your wife and no NFL team wants a guy that espouses that position or a player comes out and expresses something in favor of white supremacy and no team wants him for that. That's just fine too, under the first amendment. I mean, I, I don't, I don't really have the, the same amount of, of respect for his playing ability as Mr. Milstein, but I mean, I think he kind of sucks and that's why he's not on a team because if he had any talent at all, there's at least four or five teams that could probably use him. I mean, he's all right. He's better than me, uh, but uh, I think he's, he's damaged. He's really severely damaged his credibility uh, with his claims that he's being blackballed. For I, I couldn't disagree more. I couldn't disagree more. I mean, I think, I don't think there's any doubt that the teams are not employing him because of his take a knee protest. I mean, he's certainly as good as a number of second-line backup players. And, you know, there's a number of key injuries going on. You know, the uh, the quarterback for the Packers is now out for the season. They could certainly use a backup. Uh, he would fit that role nicely. You know, what's also very interesting, at least from a sports law perspective, is that there's, there is a clause in the collective bargaining agreement that says – that if essentially 14 teams collude to impact a player like Colin Kaepernick, then the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, can be declared void, making everybody essentially a free agent. So there is a lot at stake here in this arbitration that uh, Colin Kaepernick has brought. That's a great point. But we need to take a break, and before we move on to our next segment, we're going to hear a message from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Imagine what you could do with an extra eight hours per week. That's how much time legal professionals save with Clio, the world's leading practice management software. With intuitive time tracking, billing, and matter management, Clio streamlines everything you do to run your practice from intake to invoice. Try Clio for free and get a 10% discount for your first six months when you sign up at their website, clio.com, that's C-L-I-O.com, with the code L2L10, that's L2L, the number 10. Documents are the currency of business. They represent you in every business interaction. Executives need to know what changes have occurred in documents, what metadata risks exist, and how to encrypt, share, and collaborate securely. Patera simplifies the document creation and collaboration process to protect you from risk and loss of reputation. Patera offers better solutions for document lifecycle management so you can focus on doing what really matters. www.latera.com And welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer. I'm Craig Williams, and with us today is attorney Alan Milstein from Sherman, Silverstein, Cole, Rose, and Podolsky, and attorney Mark Randazza. He's the managing partner of the Randazza Legal Group. And before the break, we were talking about the controversy over the take a knee and whether or not the collusion claims that Colin Kaepernick has put it forth at this point. Mark, is your thought that it's a significant lawsuit? How much damage can that do to the NFL? I mean... You know, I, I think Alan knows the uh, the collective bargaining agreement better than I do, so I'm going to defer to him on whether it could deem the uh, the CBA null and void. But I have a real hard time seeing this going anywhere. I think it's very unlikely that 14 owners got together or 14 coaches got together and said, let's none of us hire this guy. If 14 people or, in fact, if every front office in the league 
just happens to feel the same way about him. And let's say it's only about his protest. It's really not about his playing ability. It's not about even the fact that, look, fans don't like him. The NFL fan base has really spoken, is using its First Amendment right to tune out. NFL ratings are down. People are saying it's because of this. Um, you know, I just can't, I can't see it. I mean, you know, the New England Patriots are the closest thing I have to a religion. And I don't care if every one of them lies down on their back and does snow angels during the national anthem. What I care about is what they do between the whistles, but teams should act in their own best interest. Uh, you know, I, I would like to think that the league would say it doesn't matter that everybody in the league would say the guy's got a right to protest, but if they don't want to do it that way, the same first amendment that lets him protest allows them to invoke their right to freedom of association and say they don't want to associate with them. They're not doing it in a collusive way. Now, if they're doing it in a collusive way, sure, that's another story, but I got a hard time imagining they're that dumb. I mean, I think that's President Trump's view that the NFL ratings are down. I think that's nonsense. I don't believe that fans are are turned off and that somehow the ratings are down because of Colin Kaepernick. I think that's a bunch of nonsense. And it's just what the, the the Trumpers want the rest of us to believe. I think I think it's oh, the numbers are the numbers. I mean, I I haven't looked at the hard data on the numbers, but have you, have you looked at the data on the numbers? Yeah, the, the data does not suggest that the fan base has shrunk in any way. So I, I just think that it just doesn't hold true. You know, as to whether Kaepernick can prove fourteen colluded uh, owners, uh, it's a difficult case because he's going to have to have some evidence. You can't just infer because he hasn't been hired that it's because of collusion. But, you know, I think these owners are stupid enough to have written a memo or written some kind of email. And I think that uh, Kaepernick's lawyers certainly have the right to subpoena all of the emails that the owners may have sent to one another. And if, in fact, they have colluded, and I wouldn't be surprised if they have because they've colluded in the past in a case that I was involved in, then it's really going to be fascinating what happens. Well, and let's take what President Trump has done. You know, Mark, you mentioned that he's taken a bully pulpit in this whole thing. Well, recently he put that pulpit on a plane and the former Vice President Pence sent him to a game and had him turn around and walk out in disgust. Yeah, uh, that's certainly taking something a little bit more than just uh, a bully pulpit there. What's your thought on that? Uh, it's the same. No, it, it's just taking a bully pulpit in, in a way that is so transparent. And, you know, anybody who, you know, a lot of people I'm sure saw through it. I saw through it. I mean, don't tell me for a moment that he didn't think that that was going to happen and that he didn't go there knowing full well what he was going to do. But, you know, he's got the right to that theatrics. I mean, let's, you know, a lot of his base are people who have the, you know, the good old fashioned God and country credo. And, uh, you know, I, I can sit here with my, you know, my East Coast education and my West Coast paycheck looking down my nose at them. But, you know, they make up a pretty large composite, if not a majority of the people in this country. And, you know, the, this kind of optics and theatrics matters when it comes to politics. Uh, you know, that was, I thought it was a stupid stunt, but, you know, millions of people looked at that and said, yeah, that guy feels the way that I feel about the stars and the stripes and the troops. And it, and it doesn't matter that I think protesting is the most 
you know, the best way you can honor somebody who might have given their, their life for the Constitution. But what I think doesn't really matter, because I'm one guy, what matters is there are millions of people in this country who feel that that view that they were very comfortable with, that we've been very comfortable with for, for a long time, is passing out of fashion, and that makes them uncomfortable, and that makes them unhappy. And when somebody wants to wave that around, uh, they're going to rally behind them. So I thought it was stupid but effective. Alan? <laughs> I mean, we have a president who has disrespected the Constitution, disrespected every institution of government, and for him to say that Colin Kaepernick is disrespecting Anything to me is just the height of hypocrisy. I mean, if this guy would just honor the Constitution for one week of his presidency, we'd all be better off. Yeah, it, from what I've seen and heard, many veterans have taken the standpoint that uh, they fought for Copernic's right to take a knee and make that protest under the First Amendment. That's right. It seems right. to me that the military as a whole is not offended by this. No, they're not. Nope. Again, this is a black-white issue. I mean, that, that, that's the elephant in the room. It is not an issue about protests. It's a black-white issue. And if Kaepernick was white, this would not be front-page news. It's the fact right. that... And we point African out that's a good point. You, you make the point that President Trump has essentially reframed the issue on us. So what happens now at this point to put it back in the correct viewpoint? that it really is a First Amendment issue and not about disrespecting the country or its flag or its military or anybody else. But that's, all, that's always a rhetorical device that's been used. I mean, this is, uh, you know, I think we're all old enough to remember, even if you thought the Gulf War was wrong, either one of them, you know, you hated, you hated America, our troops, and the baby Jesus, too, for good measure. There's always going to be somebody who's able to seize that branding, and at this point, the, the Trump administration and its supporters are winning that branding battle. I don't think so. I really don't think so. I, I think Kaepernick is winning, is winning the battle. And I think that there are more people who respect what he has done and think that he has been wronged than there are people in the 35% of the Trumpers who think that somehow this is some great offense to America and the armed forces. Again, you know, like Mark says, you know, I, I live in my little uh, liberal bubble, so so maybe I'm not quite as aware of the level of nationalism and jingoism that is going on. There are people who are waving the flag that all of this nationalism and isolationism harkens back to neo-Nazism and point to a lot of references that Trump has made and or refused to make to that type of thing. It seems like there's an ongoing controversy about everything the president does. I, I don't recall this kind of thing as I was growing up uh, as a child through young adulthood into adulthood. I really don't remember this kind of people picking on every little thing like this. What's happening? Well, we've got a surprise president. I mean, let's face that. Nobody, nobody thought this guy was going to win. I mean, I certainly didn't think so. I think it shocked a lot of people. And during the campaign, what you had was the rhetoric from the Democrats was, if this guy gets elected, it will be the Fourth Reich. They'll put vegetarians, you know, and black people in concentration camps. I mean, every Jewish friend I had was freaking out that it was like they were going to get marched off. 
And I, I was very uncomfortable with it saying, man, this is, it isn't going to be that bad, even if he gets elected. I mean, I remember George W. Bush being president. We made it through that. But it really didn't seem to matter because it's kind of like if you say, you know, if lightning strikes this spot right in front of me, I'll give you everything I own. You know, it's just the risk of that rhetoric was so low that it didn't matter. And then the guy won. And now what you have is 40% of the country who still is ripping their hair out with complete Trump derangement syndrome, screaming that, you know, at this point, they either have to admit that the country is not going to like completely sink into the ground and, and dogs and cats aren't going to be living together and we're not going to have complete chaos, or they have to admit they were wrong. And getting a liberal to admit that it is wrong is extremely difficult. So here we are with this disconnect. And at some point, uh, you know, there may be a carpet bombing with Zoloft that'll chill everybody out. But, you know, I, I am disappointed that Donald Trump is my president. But I'm also looking at the Dow doing pretty darn well. I'm looking at the fact that the country seems to be going okay, unless you listen to a few people who, well, a lot of people who are still in hysterics. And I think it's that hysterics. You need to look at and nitpick every last thing. And, you know, at one point, that wasn't me, right? But in the last administration, for God's sakes, if Barack Obama did any little thing that somebody could examine and look at and say, ah, it's a secret Muslim black nationalist uh, wants to overthrow Christianity signal, it's just the press didn't take it that seriously. But most of us who went to journalism school tend to the liberal side. So they listen to it a little more now. I think that's what your problem is. You've got this disconnect and this derangement syndrome that I think is not helpful, but it makes me laugh because I have another passport. If you guys can't hold it together, I'll just go to my other country. <laughs> well, Alan, I guess it's almost a point in time to wrap up. Mark, why don't you give us your contact information so our listeners can reach out to you if they'd like to get in contact with you. That was a good, good summary. Yeah, well, you can usually find me in seat 1A of any random Delta flight leaving uh, Las Vegas, but uh, usually I'm in, I'm in Las Vegas. Uh, you can reach me at 702-420-2001 or at uh, info at rambaza, that's R-A-N-D-A-Z-Z-A.com. Great. Thanks very much. And Alan, why don't you uh, sum up with your final thoughts and give us your contact information as well? Sure. My contact information is A. Milstein at Sherman Silverstein dot com and uh, you can also catch me on twitter at a m i l s t 44 uh you know i guess i still have that trump derangement syndrome i happen to think it's a lot worse than mark does and if you look at the way he has appointed individuals to positions that are going to affect this country for a long time i think it's worse than i imagined it would be not better all right. Well, thank you very much. And on that note, uh, it looks like we've reached the end of our program. If you liked what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcast. This is Craig Williams for Lawyer to Lawyer. Thanks for listening. When you want legal, think Lawyer to Lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrosi for their next podcast covering the latest legal topic. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. 
The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.